Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, yes, we're back with our annual um, recording or collaboration with the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Uh, so we're very happy and lucky to be joined by Matthew Karasic of the, the podcast. Um, so we're going to be cracking on with a bit of a kind of a lowdown on what's basically going on in the Spider with regards to the title race, uh, what is currently going on, um, kind of exciting players to keep our eye out for and, and all sorts, basically, uh, in our kind of special episode that we're bringing to you. So hope everyone uh, is doing well and enjoys this show. Matthew, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, just only woke up a few hours. Uh, few minutes ago so yeah kicking on pretty well but yeah thanks for having me yes well thank you very much joining us in the early hours obviously over in oz um so obviously we always have to try and co- uh, coerce matthew out of bed to do these special episodes so we're extra thankful for for your company this evening uh of course this show is in partnership with bundesliga boxes a brilliant company that provide mystery German authentic t-shirts to everyone around the world. Uh, so make sure you go check them out on Twitter or on their website um, so that you can get yourself a mystery one for maybe the end of the season or some maybe even get one during the summer to sport during the summer days. And please uh, do drop us a like on this video if you enjoy this particular one. Uh, comment on you know what your maybe your favourite Spider Bundesliga team is, and please do indeed subscribe. And of course, go check out and subscribe to the Spider Bundesliga show for all the ongoing things that are going in the Spider, not just the title race, everything in between with Matthew and Ava. So, right, well, let's crack on with um, with our Spider kind of focus straight away, and uh, we'll kind of go straight into what uh, is going on at the top end of the league uh, in terms of the title race. So right about now, we've got um, five teams kind of effectively in the title race, in which is always an amazingly close league uh, right now. So we've got FC Schalke in first place. Um, I'll just kind of name the five teams to start with, and then we'll kind of go through one uh, one by one with Matthew and ask you a few questions. And then we've got Werder Bremen in second place. So the two teams got, got relegated last season are right up there. FC St. Pauli, Darmstadt, and of course, not forgetting Marks, FC Nuremberg in fifth place, right in the mix. Um, so Matthew, we'll start off with the team that are currently in first place. And of course, your team, FC Schalke. Uh, so they're topped by two points ahead of Werder. Really impressive win this weekend against Darmstadt, 5-2. And, you know, league's highest goal scorers, 54, uh, sorry, 64 goals. Won their last five games, so maybe timing things just right uh, in terms of the running. Yeah, I mean, you look at Schalke and their, their opening 25 games and there was a lot of questions rather than um, answers being created. And it's kind of interesting that when teams obviously make the switch to a new manager... Um, they're looking for that managerial bounce. You can, I guess you can look at teams in other leagues and uh, they haven't seen the same sort of success. But yeah, since Mike Bushkins has become the caretaker coach, um, there's definitely been an uptick in form, obviously five consecutive wins. And, and really it's come at a choice time because they were in 
a situation where it certainly seems as if they would be cut adrift from the promotion race. But um, yeah, they've just they're starting to peak at the right time. Obviously, their fixtures coming up are very difficult. You know, they've got Bremen on on Saturday. Zanhausen is probably the the one that you would suggest that they could eat. They could get the three points automatically, and then St. Pauli at home, and then end the season at Nuremberg. It's a very tough run home, but you know they showed they can get it done with with efficiency and and the likes of Simon Sorotta and Marius Bulter, who's obviously scored a hat trick um, today. So mm-hmm. yeah, they've um they've shown that they can be efficient going forward, and and there is despite it being a pretty anonymous for them for the majority of the campaign, they have shown they can put the ball in the back of the net. So what, what's been the difference then, say, between Schalke and, and maybe like a Hamburg, uh, who have really struggled since they got relegated, that obviously, to me on paper, looking at the Schalke team from the Bundesliga last season, of course, it's a really different kind of setup, really, with, with the players. So what, what have Schalke maybe got right that Hamburg previously struggled with, perhaps? I mean, it's a tricky, it's a tricky one to answer because Schalke went for a, a total teardown, um, whereas Hamburg, in many seasons, have essentially just patched over the cracks and hoped that it would be enough to get promoted. But as we've seen, uh, their fourth season is going to be their worst campaign since being relegated to the to the side of Bundesliga. So Schalke took a massive risk. Usually, when you make such change to to an overall squad, it can have um, there's almost like a time delay. You need to let the players adapt to each other. You know, you need to have an identifiable system. And and you know, Schalke went with what was essentially like a three-three-two-two, and that didn't really work. And the the ultimate change for Schalke was really switching to a back four, a bit more stability in defence. Um, you know, actually having a little bit more control in the midfield, which for me has been their Achilles heel all season, um, and just being just being able to control game, have some control in games, because the one thing they didn't have early on in the season is they let teams walk all over them, thinking that, well, we're Schalke, we'll win games, and it'll just be a bit of a cakewalk. And that rude awakening was probably the best thing that happened to them. Regarding to Hamburg and what they've gone through, it's it it's a little bit different. I mean, you know, the thing that Hamburg have done consistently is change managers, and maybe a couple of players leave, a couple of players come in, and it's all, it, you know, none of the pieces ever seem to fit. And you come to usually around this time of the year in April, um, and their season is is unraveling. Um, and it happened a little bit earlier this season. So yeah, I mean, there's there's probably not too many differences in what, um, what obviously they're both trying to achieve, but. Um, I guess the difference is that Schalke went for a completely different approach, got rid of all the you know the negativity and the and the players who had been at the squad for quite a while and and you know needed to change. Um, that was probably the big difference. And and as we see now, Schalke are bearing the fruits of that. But it doesn't mean the job is uh, completely done yet. Brand. So we'll move on to Verder. Uh, Mark, do you want to ask away? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Werder Bremen relegated last season for the first time in a long, long time, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, everyone was looking at them along with Schalke as the teams that were going to kind of, you know, like set the league alive, really. But at first, it wasn't happening at all, was it? I think before Christmas, they looked really poor. They were struggling to win games. And I think it was when they came to Nuremberg and won 2 1. That kind of changed things a little bit for them. You know, obviously, the two teams played again today and played out a one all draw. 
But yeah, I mean, what have you made of them? Do you think they've been good or has it just been more of a case of just kind of plodding along and picking up results here and there, really? I mean, their their start of the season was, I think, a surprising to everyone that they just didn't adapt to the league. Um, despite having a manager who had experience in the second tier in, in Marcus Anfang, but as we know, um, his uh, tenure was obviously stopped because he faked a vaccination status despite <laughs> being unvaccinated. And it's kind of interesting because that was the turning point for them in bringing in a manager who they actually wanted in the summer in, in Oli Werner. He was very much on their list. The problem was he wasn't willing to leave Kiel. And obviously that situation changed. And when he became available, it became pretty obvious that he was going to be the guy they wanted going forward. The Anfang stuff kind of writes itself. I mean, you couldn't sell that to a Hollywood scriptwriter and tell them that that legitimately happened. So I, I would I would say that that's been the, the ultimate change. They have a clear identity, the way they want to play. They're not chopping and changing. And the guys that they that really have kicked on for them have been Marvin Dukshu. Admittedly, I had a hesitancy on for the three and a half million price tag that they paid for him. But he's been complimentary alongside Nicholas Fulkrug and those two as a dynamic duo have really improved their chances of gaining promotion. Are they still vulnerable defensively? Absolutely. They have a very slow um, back three and teams that with with good pace can exploit them and, and have done quite often. Um, but, they, but they've got a good mix of experience and interesting young players. And yeah, the, 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 the turnaround itself really came with having a manager who, who has a clear identity of the way they want to play. Um, and the results speak for themselves. I think they've only lost once since uh, Werner's taken over, so that that tells you everything you need to know about maybe the quality of Oli Werner versus uh, what Marcus Anfang was bringing to the table. Very good. Uh, okay, so we'll move on to the team currently in third place and, and one that is uh, seemingly quite a popular team uh, outside of Germany anyway. Uh, so it's FC St. Pauli. So they're in third place, so the playoff promotion place um as it currently stands obviously really close still um you know i've had a really good season in in general so i think they probably led the way for quite a long time didn't they uh, at times and have a really enjoyable uh dfb pokal run of course knocking out Borussia dortmund um so really um encouraging stuff and i've maybe just started to um just slightly stumble just the wrong time of course uh, I think it was yesterday as we were recording, they uh, conceded a 93rd minute equaliser to a corner, um, obviously, which was really uh, damaging at this point in the season. So, Matthew, what have you made of St. Pauli so far? Um, do you think they've got the capabilities to maybe sneak into the top two? I mean, the form suggests that they might be in a bit of trouble. thing that that they um, that has, that's kind of been a positive for them, but it's becoming a bit detrimental now is the over-reliance of Daniel Kofi-Kire, who um, you can see when he was out of the lineup, when he was representing Ghana at the African Cup of Nations, that they really struggled to have that sort of creativity behind uh, Guido Borgstaller as that number 10. And yeah, I mean, teams are figuring them out a bit. They've become a little bit too predictable. You know you know the key players, they really, that help them go forward. So the likes of Let Pacarada at left back, you know, Kire, and Borgstella, they're the three. You stop them, you have a really good chance of actually winning the game um, or, you know, creating an opportunity to, to get a point, as Zanhausen did on the weekend, 
where they only think three shots on goal for the entire game. Oh, sorry, six shots on goal for the entire game. It was a very defensive um, encounter. And yeah, they've become a bit too predictable. I think Timo Schultz has really struggled to readapt this team. And as we are now starting to see that at the wrong time of the season, they're dropping points. I mean, that Zanhausen game, they should win most of the time. You know, they've got a far better squad and, you know, a, a manager who really wants his teams to go forward. Um, and they just, yeah, they've, they've, they've really hit the stumbling block. There aren't other guys that are really stepping up to the plate um, and offering another outlet. And uh, teams are onto it. Teams are aware that, you know, Borgstahl is going to be the guy leading forward. You know, he's got 17 goals this season. Um, and Kide is, sorry. So I was just about to say, do you think it's so definitely more of a case of teams figuring out St. Pauli rather than St. Pauli getting a bit nervous in terms of seeing this grand opportunity that is presented in front of them? It's it's a bit of both. I mean, I don't think many of us had St. Pauli in this situation to start the season. I think um, my theory was they were going to be around the mid-table mark to start at the start of the season, just assessing where their squad was. And obviously they've performed well and truly above the prediction, which is not a surprise. Um, but um, yeah, I think, I think there's a bit of that inexperience, you know, even though they've got guys who have been promoted before, like Borgstaller, you know, I, I think that inexperience is really telling, you know, they've, they've been in some big games and they've dropped some points along the way in the last few weeks. And yeah, I think that that's, I think that's part of it, but also just, yeah, they've become a bit too one-dimensional and teams know who the have a, teams have shown, they know who to shut out um, and they know how to stop them. And, and it's becoming a bit of a problem. Obviously they've got some big games coming up um, and they desperately need to pick up some points because as we've, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, if you don't pick up the points, the other teams will. Yeah, and then obviously moving on to Darmstadt, who are currently in fourth place. I mean, Darmstadt absolutely flew out of the blocks, didn't they? Which surprised a lot of people because obviously they lost their key talisman, Serdar Dursun, to Fenerbahce. He was probably my favourite player in this fight uh, for the last two or three years. A great striker. He, I think last season he banged in like 24, 25 goals in this fight, didn't he? Like he had an amazing season, got the big money move to Fenerbahce, but they absolutely flew out of the blocks. They really did. I think them and San Pauli were even six, seven points clear of third at one stage, but obviously both have kind of hit the stoppers really in the last few weeks, haven't they? Um, Matt, do you think that's uh, kind of why do you think they've kind of in the last few weeks? It is a bit tricky with with Darmstadt. I mean, they they the first two games they were hit by COVID cases. They were beaten quite comfortably, and then obviously when everyone became available, they really hit the ground running. The thing with them is they rely the what made them so great in the first like the first part of the season was the combination of Luca Pfeiffer and Philip Teets and. Again, teams were aware, became aware of the, the dynamic duo and put a stop to it. So unlike with St. Pauli, Darmstadt were able to find other avenues. Aaron Seidel had been that guy. With him becoming the kind of the lead striker, they play out, they started to play a lot more direct football, um, which is unsurprisingly not pre- it's predictable because they um you know, he's I think he's like 198-ish centimeters. He's a tall bugger. 
Um, and they missed how oh, they missed him yesterday uh, today's game because they didn't really have someone um, at set pieces, despite them scoring two goals from crosses. I think for them, biggest problem they've got at the moment is they cannot defend set pieces for the life of them. They've conceded 18 goals from set pieces this season, which is amongst the worst in the league. And that's surprising for a team that is in the promotion race. It's evident their problems. And the biggest problems they have is uh, the inability to just mark people. They're very bad at doing it. And <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just the, that's just the nicest way to put it because they, they really lose their assignments. And once someone loses a player that, you know, they become available. And a great example of that was the Nuremberg game where um, Nicola Dovidan, who's not particularly tall, was marked up on Aaron Seidel and Seidel just doesn't do anything. And Dovidan scores a header, which shouldn't happen. And Lucas Schleimer did the same thing. He shouldn't score headers, but he, he did. So um, their biggest, their, their Achilles heel was defensively. I mean, they gave up five goals that were all pretty uh, avoidable today. So... Um, yeah, their, their biggest problem is going forward is can they address that that back four in dead ball situations? Um, I'm not sure they can. Losing Marcel Schoen was a big loss one as well. I mean, Moritz Behrens wasn't particularly good. He wasn't good on a few of those efforts um, that Schalke scored. So, yeah, and then for them, it's going to be really interesting. We know they can score goals. That's the thing they've done consistently for the majority of the season. They've shown they can get the ball into the back of the net. They've shown that multiple players can get amongst it. The question for them in the final few games will be, can they just stop leaking goals? Can they mm. can they really tighten up defensively? If they can do that, they're a real chance of getting in that top three. Um, and considering they probably have the easier of the schedules heading into the, uh, the end of the campaign, you know, they, they should be in the driver's seat despite being in fourth place. Yeah, they've shown they can score goals for sure. Uh, I think, well, they won 6-1 twice already this season. But exactly as you mentioned, uh, Matthew, they've also conceded, obviously, 5 to Schalke today. And they lost 5-0 uh, uh, to Hamburg as well. Um, so clearly capable of scoring goals, but also, yeah, definitely need to tighten up. Uh, right, so the fifth team on our list, obviously, is indeed FC Nuremberg. So, um, yeah, so Mark's team... <laughs> Um, complete different fortunes to last season, aren't they, Mark? Uh, massively. So, um, you know, had a really good start to the season. What they went 11 unbeaten at the start of the season before they lost to Darmstadt. Uh, then they went a little bit off colour, and obviously that included, as we um, kind of mentioned, a few kind of shock losses, uh, much like um, Darmstadt had a guess to 5 0 to Ingolstadt, 4 1 to Karlsruhe. Um, and then have kind of reignited their push a little bit again. So I'll, I'll throw this over to you, Mark, to start with, uh, to kind of look, touch on Nuremberg, and then we'll get Matthew's opinion on them. So have you been surprised, Mark? Yeah, I mean, the season started off absolutely perfectly, didn't it? It really did. That that 11-game unbeaten run was like the stuff of dreams, basically. And it was, ironically, it was Darmstadt who ended the, the run, as you said. And then I think they went on to lose to Werder Bremen in the game after that when they were winning yeah. for a long period in that match as well. And I think after that, we realised, you know, it's not going to be automatic promotion this season, but... Yeah, I think uh, me and Matt were talking about it before the show. I think the problem is we don't score enough goals. You know, that is the problem. And I actually caught a game live this season before the lockdown against Hanover. And it was the same problem. Like, Nuremberg completely dominated the game. 
had a goal disallowed by VAR and then they just kind of lost hope really after that and Hanover were just able to sit back and defend and take the nil-nil you know and it's uh, <laughs> it's typical of my experience watching Nuremberg at the Max Morlock that they just don't it's been a problem for a few years actually that they just don't create enough chances at times you know and I think this year the defense has been a lot better it really has you know I mean they've cut out the mistakes Matania has been really good in net, but they just don't create or score enough, you know. And I, I think Dovidan is okay, but he's not really the answer. And obviously, he's leaving at the end of this season. You know, Schleifer didn't really do that well as well, the big centre forward. And I just think, yeah, you know, my other worry is that I think Nuremberg hasn't been quite as good this season. They've not really replaced Robin Hack as well. That was a problem because obviously he left for Bielefeld. Uh, I think. After yeah, in the in the summer it was, wasn't it? So yeah, I think it's been a great season. They've they've worked hard. The fans are really, really happy with how hard the teams worked. That's one thing I can say. The fans are just they've really enjoyed watching the team, following the team this year, and they, they believe that this is the hardest that a Nuremberg team has worked for years and years, basically, possibly for you know, five, six years at least. So that's one thing, but there's still a, a bit of a lack of quality in my opinion, anyway. Sure. Matthew, do you agree with what Mark said there? Anything to add? Yeah, I mean, defensively, they've gotten a lot better. I mean, the the additions of Christoph Schindler, I mean, we haven't seen much of Florian Hübner because of that, because of injury. But, you know, the experienced guys who, you know, understand the league, um, can provide a good bit of individual quality. I think defensively, their biggest problem is that fullback, um, Hanver- Tim Hanverker and Enrico Valentini or... Now we've seen Killian Fisher at right back uh, have been really inconsistent, and the one thing mm. that that really screams out with both them is they both know how to get forward and they do it very very well. Um, but when teams quickly counter, they are usually the first two people that get exposed. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's not too bad. I, I do agree that the likes of Nurnberger, um, Tom Kraus, for example, is another who really hasn't kicked on from last season, where they both were very very strong. Um, and yeah, the, the striker problem has be- has become an issue that you know out of the teams in that that top five, uh, they've scored the fewest amount of goals with just forty five, whereas mm-hmm. everyone else is is ranking in the fifties. So, yeah, it has been an issue with them all season. Um, but they've also produced some really weird results um, that are really unexplainable. Uh, like for example, we've seen them; they can they've shown they can beat teams at the top. You know, they beat they beat Darmstadt, they've beaten Hamburg. Um, and then they've produced results where they were beaten 5-0 at home to Ingolstadt. And anyone who watched that game couldn't tell you how it happened, why it happened, what they were watching. But then in a matter of moments, it was 3, 4, 5, and it was just the game was over. So they're, they're a bit of a weird team. I think you know Robert Klaus knows what he wants them to do. They want to be a bit more possession-based. They want to really dictate the play, that sort of kind of Nagelsmann style, which you know as a... As a former assistant of his, you know that's the kind of brand of football they want to play. This is hard when you don't have the individual qualities to implement that system. But what they do have and they've shown is a lot of grit, determination, all the intangibles. They they've, they're they're a hardworking team, um, and you know Klaus has shown you know after taking what was a basket case when he first had them last season a team that barely avoided relegation. He's, he's turned it around. It's obviously a long-term project, but um, yeah, they, they he, him and him and, and Dieter Hecking will identify the, the needs. And there are some pretty 
obvious needs that they can fix. Um, but I, I can see them being in the mix again next season. I think this year is a bit of a false dawn. They were, they had their time at the top. It was enjoyable. Um, they had that really rank spell midway through the season. You know, the, the fact that they're even still in the conversation is quite incredible. They've they've stolen some results, but they've also shown that they can uh, put up the, uh, the 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 bad performance. So for them, big learning experience. But it's it's just continuing that upward trend from. The first year they came back, where they they needed a late goal um, in mm-hmm. the, like the 96th minute to, to to get over Ingolstadt in the playoff, to you know slight improvement to more improvement. So they're doing they're going in the right direction. It's just yeah, just just keep working with it. I mean, they, this this will be a massive off season for them if they can get it right in the transfer window. There'll be a really good chance of being in the mix once again. Good stuff. Well, it obviously will go right down to the wire and we'll do our top three predictions in a little while because, of course, we did that last season uh, and we'll have to, of course, put Matthew on the spot to do a top three prediction in a moment. Uh, Just before we do, a couple more questions in relation to kind of like the the league itself and maybe how how well equipped some teams are. Uh, I'll just start off by asking probably a similar question to what we asked last season. How difficult is it to get out of this league in terms of being promoted to the Bundesliga I mean even more so this season there's so many big teams in this league I think that the thing that stands out with the side of Bundesliga if you compare it to a league like the championship for example is that the yo-yo effect is not really a thing teams Mm -hmm. that get relegated don't often find their way back into the Bundesliga and we've seen teams Nuremberg, Hanover are probably the most recent example, Hamburg Dusseldorf, you know, these teams that you'd expect, okay, they'll probably be in the mix and then they don't come back for a while. Paderborn is another. Um, so it, it's super hard. I mean, the, I think the great comparison with the championship is obviously teams that get relegated from the, the Premier League, they get the, those, those parachute payments, which essentially give them a leg up on everyone else in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas obviously that kind of money is a bit differently distributed in, in German football. So Ultimately, it it doesn't like it doesn't matter how big you are in the side of Bundesliga. Like that does not matter. Your prestige, your history doesn't matter. I mean, teams will treat you like a cup final. They will go harder at you because that's what you know. How good is it to have a win against Werder Bremen or Schalke on your resume, like Jan Regensburg did earlier in the season when they beat Schalke four one at home? Yeah, you know that's a, that's a massive look. We beat one of the giants of German football. But honestly, that prestige means not to me. It means nothing. Everyone is there's 18 teams that are all very, very competitive, and on any given Sunday, anyone can win. And it's been proved time and time again that teams don't get it all their own way. And teams who think that they will automatically get promoted after getting relegated usually get a rude awakening. They'll drop a bunch of games, and then be like, "Okay, this is different. We were expecting a bit of a cakewalk," and. You know, in the end, they get they get the you know they get a shock of this is this is the side of Bundesliga. It's tough, it's rugged, it's not always pretty. But the one thing is, if you really dig in and showcase an ability to play football, then you can gain garner some promotion. So it it is really it's really hard, honestly. Teams of teams of you know the so called high prestige historical significance have been halted quite often, and it's not really a surprise. So. Um, yeah, it, it, how hard is it? Very, very hard. But we could see for the first time in, in a long time 
uh, the yo-yo effect where two teams who've been relegated get promoted. Yeah, I mean, that has been one of the big talking points over here in Germany, like just how many massive clubs there are in this fight of Bundesliga this year. You know, as you've already mentioned, uh, Schalke, Werder, you know, obviously Nuremberg as well. Yeah, that might be a little bit biased, but yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say they are one of the bigger clubs in Germany. Dusseldorf, as you say, even Hanover are pretty big. Do you know what I mean? Hamburg, obviously, we've not mentioned. There's just so many big clubs, but you're kind of mixed in there with minnows like... Auer, for example, you know, Auer or Rostock, uh, you know, a bit smaller. Yeah, even someone like an Ingolstadt, you know, they're obviously much, Jan Regensburg, much smaller clubs, you know, but it's, um, I think that's been one of the kind of great things about this fight of this year. And it's been a, I'm sure it's been a great league to cover, but yeah, we, we just wanted to kind of add a little bit more on a, what do you think of the chances of, of the teams that do get promoted? So obviously two teams go up automatically. Like, do you think they can realistically compete in the Bundesliga from what you've seen? Or do you think it could be a case of them coming straight back down this year? I, I, it'll be difficult um, if it's, if it's say, let's, let's hypothetically go with the top two currently. Mm-hmm. Um I think Schalke probably has the the more interesting case because they'll probably have a new manager. Um, you suspect they'll obviously bolster the squad. The thing with Bremen is Bremen have a lot of guys that already have that Bundesliga experience, so their squad probably would be not as they'll just it'll be addition by subtraction. Guys who are probably too you know good enough for the side of Bundesliga won't see as much action. Um, so I think I think um, I I would be concerned at teams like Saint Pauli. Darmstadt, Nuremberg, if those teams were to go get promoted, I would be really concerned at their ability to stay up. Um, You know, not as if they would be a foot, but, you know, they would be in that sort of bottom six. Like you can guarantee that they'll be in the bottom six and it won't be a surprise to anybody. So I think as we've seen with the Bundesliga and how tight it's been, teams like Stuttgart, for example, who who were were magical the year, you know, last season and this season, injuries have really, you know, decimated their chances to the point where they could get relegated. I mean, Hertha have spent like millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to be mediocre. And, um, you know, obviously they beat Augsburg the, this weekend. So um, it'll be t- it'll be difficult. I, I would like those teams like Schalke and Bremen over the likes of Augsburg Um you know, Borham, those kinds of teams. But uh, yeah, either way, it'll be very, I think for, as the squads are constructed right now, I think it would be rather difficult for any side of Bundesliga team to strengthen themselves into, you know, being above that top, that, you know, that bottom six. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, So, right, it was time to do our predictions for our top three. So, for the Zweiter Bundesliga title race, how we think it might come to a crescendo uh, after match week 34. So, I'll start us off. Um, I'll say that I think Schalke will win win the league. I think they'll come first. And I think probably Werder will secure... Um, second place for the automatics. I think they'll probably stay the same. Um, and then I reckon, maybe based on what uh, we talked about a little bit in terms of what Matthew you talked about, Darmstadt maybe having a slightly easier run in. So I'll give them the the playoff spot. I'll say Darmstadt for third. So we'll go on. We'll go to you, Mark, and then we'll finish off with Matthew's predictions. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious thing to say is uh, the top two will go up, but we've got to remember that next week they actually clash as well. Uh, I think at Schalke, right? So I think it's going to be, you know, I mean, if the loser of that is going to be in with a tough last three games, especially if Verde lose that, you know, then they could potentially get overtaken by Darmstadt or St. Pauli and end up finishing week 31 in fourth. So I definitely don't think it's a gimme. But yeah, I am going to go, having said that, I am going to go with those... Um, those two, because I just think, you know, if you look at the form over the last, you know, since Christmas, really, they have been good, both of them. I think for third, yeah, I don't know. I just think St. Pauli and Darmstadt, they're on the downward a little bit, in my view. You know, if you look at where they've come from, obviously, Darmstadt and uh, Darmstadt have lost the last two games quite comfortably in the end against promotion rivals. Pauli just seem to be drawing too many games, as you said, Matt, earlier. So I'm actually going to go for my beloved Nuremberg to get third. You know, I think we can do it. We can get the, the playoff game. Come on, Nuremberg. Oh, man, yeah. What do you reckon, Matthew? Well, at the start of the season, I had Bremen winning the league, and I don't think I'm going to change that because that's just not the way I roll. So for me, I, I would have Bremen are going to win the league. Um, I, I, say I, I, I don't want. I don't want to. Be, okay, Sh- Schalke will finish second. Knock on wood. Um, and and obviously with the way the other teams are going in the league with. Um, um, St. Pauli and Darmstadt's form bit being a bit up and down. I would love to put in the ultimate red herring and say Hamburg as a like they're five points away with four games to go. They have the they have the easiest schedule out of everybody in the final four games, and they could steamroll some teams. They steamrolled Karlsruhe, they steamrolled Al, but then they will do what they did against Kiel. That's why they're very unreliable. But um, they see they they could do very much as Stephen Bradbury and, and nick that promote that uh, playoff spot. Genuinely think they could do it, but on the safe spot, <clears throat> probably Darmstadt will get that promotion place. But it will, yeah, and they will probably end up playing someone like I, I want to say Armenia Bielefeld, but I feel like they they might be in a bit too much drive. So yeah, they whoever whoever Darmstadt play, they'll give them a good game. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, we'll have to look back at this in a few games' time to see where everything ended up. Um, so we'll move on to chat a little bit about some players to watch um, that have particularly been impressing throughout the season. Um, so we'll obviously we'll maybe talk about the main protagonists from, say, you know, for example, the top five uh, teams um, and kind of move it on to maybe players that might get cherry-picked from, you know, from Spider Bundesliga teams into the Bundesliga if they don't get promoted and such. So, Matthew, who's, you know, who's really stood out this season um, in terms of players that maybe you didn't expect? I mean, the the obvious one for me would be Philip Tietz, guy who really struggled to establish himself in the, in the second tier and then, you know, played a couple of decent seasons. Um <clears throat> excuse me, in the third division, he was kind of a right place, right time, hit the ground running. So for me, he's been probably the, the big surprise um, as someone who I didn't really think was going to be a good fit alongside Luca Pfeiffer up top. So for me, Darmstadt's Philip Tietz. And he he could be an interesting one. I could see I could see teams uh, reaching for for him. I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure he's got the quality to really establish himself in the Bundesliga but um yeah he for me he's been the surprise and a big part of the reason why Darmstadt are in the situation they are 
Um, so who, who's that one particular player maybe that, that you've seen this season or has been performing season on season, they <clears> think, you know, is Bundesliga ready-made, we, we know, would comfortably would do a job in, you know, uh, mid-table or, or any kind of Bundesliga side? I mean, I'd say, I'd say the one player I've been really impressed with is Koi Itakura from Schalke. Really love the the tactical diversity you can use him. The only problem is, of course, is that he's actually on loan from Manchester City. And I know for a fact Schalke really, they really rate him, uh, the Japanese international, and they want to buy him. But um, whether they can afford him will probably be determined if they get promoted or not. So he's been someone who was, I'd heard quite a bit about from his time in the J-League and um, heard many good things that he could be a very interesting player. And, you know, seeing him firsthand, he's really taken to, to, to German football like a duck to water. And I think um, he's one player that I've been very impressed with, um, especially since he's moved into that midfield. The biggest problem, as mentioned earlier, with that Schalke team is their midfield. And he's really brought a bit of stability into an area of the pitch that Schalke really needed to address. So he's certainly been one player I've been really interested by. And and yeah, he um be interested to see if, we, if, if, if the Royal Blues can sign him. But uh, if not, if I was a, if I was a, a mid-table Bundesliga side, knowing that he's going for probably about five million, uh, mm-hmm. I would I would definitely take a chance on him. As we've seen, a lot of Japanese players have had success in 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 the German game, and, and I think yeah. I, I, I firmly believe he would be a, another very good addition to a team in the Bundesliga if Schalke, of course, don't get promoted or can't afford to buy him. Good stuff. Well, what do you reckon, Mark? Any any Nuremberg players that might get stolen again, such as uh, Robin Hack, etc. Um, he, he looked a bit uh, a bit goal shy today for Bielefeld. He had a really good chance against Bayern. Yeah, I'm su- a little bit surprised that he's not really hacked it. Uh, uh, pardon the pun. There, actually, I didn't even intend that one, but that's a pretty good <laughs> one. I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, he's not really hacked it in the, in the Bundesliga. Let's be honest, really, which just surprised me a little bit because obviously for Nuremberg, he was fantastic. Really, it really was. I think he was one of the best players at this level. I don't actually think Nuremberg have got anyone that can compare with him. Really, I do like Matania, the goalkeeper, though. You know, he's a bit of a fan's favorite at the club, but I'm not sure really whether you could say his Bundesliga standard. I think he did play for us when we were last in the Bundesliga, but I think he did well, but the problem is is that the, the team was so bad that he was facing so many shots that, you know, I think anyone looks good in that situation, really. And I remember there was one game against Dortmund, and I think he made like 10 or 11 saves, and after that game, he was seen as a bit of a kind of cult hero, really, but realistically, I'm not sure really whether I'd say anyone is good enough. I would have said perhaps last season, like Nuremberg, who was looking really good, but he's not really kind of kicked on for me. Um, would you say anyone, Matt, from Nuremberg that could really hack it in, in the top tier? Or? I mean, this. I mean, Tim Hanwerk has already had experience playing hmm. in the Bundesliga, but I, I also don't firmly believe he is of the quality. I think one player that was interested to see if he would make the jump was Eric Shurinov, young striker, mm. had showed a lot of potential last season and mm. he's struggled to not only get in the match day 11, but to consistently yeah. actually play. So, yeah. I mean, he's been kind of a disappointment in, in that regards. Um, I mean, probably Lino Templeman is, yeah. is another young player. Yeah. Obviously, Matt Smoller-Daly, who, you know, you know, very much flying the flag for him and, and is arguably probably the most liked Swider Bundesliga player. Not hard not yeah. to like him, but 
yeah, I, w- I would say like in terms of like coming through the system or young players with high potential, you're probably liking it, looking at guys like Templeman, uh, Duman is another who's had a, a, a bit of a stronger second half of the season. Um, so probably those guys, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. I feel, I feel like some of them just aren't ready to make the jump mm-hmm. just yet. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, right, so we'll move on just for the final uh, five, ten minutes or so to kind of chat a little bit about the Bundesliga relegation race because obviously we're not just talking about Bundesliga teams for the sake of it because these teams will, of course, uh, go into this fight and we kind of want to kind of get an opinion from Matthew on on maybe what uh, or how these teams will fare. So obviously, Greuterfurt, we'll start with Greuterfurt because obviously they, they are a team that will will drop into the slider again. Um, played the hell yet another nil-nil draw uh, with Hoffenheim um, earlier on today. I think that's three clean sheets in four or something amazing like that. Um, <laughs> what, what do you reckon, Matthew, to... I mean, I guess you probably weren't shocked by, by the way that they started this Bundesliga campaign. And then since then, do you think that... Are they maybe now preparing themselves just, you know, for this initial kind of natural downward progression back into this fighter and then they're trying to build again it, it felt inevitable much like their campaign back in uh the 2013-14 season mm. um yeah or sorry 12-13 yeah, yeah. um yeah it it seems for, that for clubs like Furt, and this is i mean no disrespect to because to, they've got some some wonderful people that run the club and stuff like that but um it's always going to be hard for a club like them to survive. And rarely do we see them manage. I mean, we had that weird that season where Ingolstadt and Darmstadt both managed to survive and then both their managers went on to bigger and, well, Ralph Hasenudel went on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. Dirk Schuster, not so much. Um, it's so it's just so difficult. And you have to be really smart recruiting-wise that they, they didn't bring in the players that could... That worked. Most of them just didn't pan out. So I think with them, it, it was always inevitable that they would be the obvious choice for automatic relegation and probably the foot of the table. And yeah, they just they they've got guys who are very good in the second division. Guys like Harvard Nilsson, Branimir Hergurta, mm-hmm. uh, Julian Green, um, but they just don't translate into the first division. And that's the that's the unfortunate part of being a, a smaller club like Furt is that it's so hard to recruit players that can make the team or get the team to make the, the next jump and they will have their one season in the Bundesliga, you know, enjoy it for what it was and then they'll spend the next probably three to four seasons in the second division. I mean, the biggest thing for them will be whether they can keep Stefan Lytle as manager because he's very highly rated, Mm-hmm. Um, especially after his strong season last last campaign, getting them promoted when many of us didn't really think they were in the mix. Um, so for them, I think what what their off season is going to be very interesting because I sense that um, they may be looking for a new manager. There might be teams like um, Hertha, um, maybe Augsburg, if they think that Vinesil is not a good coach, which mm-hmm. he's not. Um, so yeah, I I think um, <clears throat> I think with um, with Furt they'll be one to watch for. Not because I don't think they'll go straight back up, but how much their squad and personnel changes. 
Yeah, very good. Mark, do you want to take us through the rest of the relegation candidates so I don't be massively biased about my team that is right in the mix? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, second from bottom at the moment is Bielefeld. I mean, they've just literally fallen off a cliff edge the last uh, six, seven games. I mean, a run of only one point from the last seven games, and most of them have been thrashings, let's be honest. You know, I mean, a valiant performance today against Bayern, but ultimately well beaten, really. Um, Matt, do you think they would be one of the kind of, would you expect them to be up there in this fight for next year? Should they get relegated? Obviously, they've still got four games to save themselves, but would you imagine they'd be one of the kind of front runners for promotion next season? For, I really want them to stay up, personally. I'd love them to stay in the Bundesliga, but yeah, I mean, when you've only scored one goal in that, that stretch you mentioned, and um, it's, you know, they are the worst, they're one of the worst, I think they are the worst attacking team in the mm. Bundesliga and mm. Dan O'Hagan, who commentated that game this uh, yesterday for the Bundesliga World Feed, mentioned that only Norwich has scored fewer goals yeah. out of teams in the top five leagues, which tells you everything you need to know mm. about their situation. Which is such a shame because they're they're a really good club and they've got some really wonderful people that run it, um, likes of Sami Arabi. Who there'll be teams that will want to get him as their sporting director um, because he's shown ver- some strong astuteness. Um, over the last couple of seasons, it's hard for them to, to... I really think the way that they're trending and their inability to put the ball on the back of the net and the defence is constantly under siege, um, it is really hard for me to see them staying up. In terms of them coming back into the second division, I, I, I need, I'll need to see what their squad looks like because they definitely won't have Stefan Ortega if they get relegated. Guys like Amos Pieper will be another that teams will, will want to immediately try and sign. Yep. Um, so yeah, I I um I, I feel like if they were to get relegated, they would be kind of in that mid table. Um, but yeah, it'll really depend on what their squad looks like. So yeah, I, I'm I am deeply concerned that uh, their run in the Bundesliga will come to an end. Yeah, I think obviously they did sign a lot of players from this fighter in summer as well. Yanni Serra being one of them, obviously Robin Hack as well. I think uh, Kru- Florian Kruger, you know, three key players as well. I do think they have quality there, but, you know, it's just they've hit bad form at the wrong time, basically, haven't they? As you say, Peeper's a really good defender. Ortega, one of the best keepers in the league. You know, I thought they would have had enough to stay up, really. I think they've got a bit more quality than perhaps you know, Augsburg or Bochum, but, you know, they've obviously fought a little bit harder at times, haven't they, really? But, yeah, I mean, obviously, amongst the other teams who are Stuttgart, I would imagine if they were to come down, you know, their squad would probably get ripped of its assets, I would imagine, because, you know, they do have still some quality players in the squad. Uh, Matt, do you think they go straight back up or do you think it would be a rebuilding process for them? Well, history with them recently being relegated is that they would they would go straight up. They, they, they definitely have the resources um, to make it happen. And, you know, again, Stuttgart being a, another one of those big clubs in the South, um, they would be an interesting team. I think Pellegrino Matarazzo, who's done a really good job with that squad, um, is someone who will, unlike what Burnley did, he'll, he would get the right to go down if they were to get relegated and coach them to try and get promoted. Mm. So I, th- I think they would be okay. I think out of all the teams that are, in the relegation battle, for me, they are the one team that I could see going straight back up. 
Yeah, and Hertha and Augsburg. What about? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. What about Hertha and Augsburg? Then obviously on the kind of periphery of the relegation battle at the moment, they're just about safe. I think Samba. Would you imagine them to to be comfortably going up, or do you think they could get like stranded in this fight for a few years? Well, I guess that the both of them have heavy investment. I mean, you've got uh, Lars Windhorst, who's heavily invested in Hertha, uh, over I think it's nearly four hundred million at this stage. Um, he would, I think, I think relegation would be really tough on Hertha, mm. only because Windhorst, who has already come out and said that he didn't trust the people who were spending his money, which is uh, that's not good business. People know <laughs> that if you don't trust the people, you don't give them. <laughs> 300 plus million dollars to spend on a mediocre squad. Um, but and then with Augsburg, they've got the American investment, hence why they um spent a ton of money on Ricardo Papi, and he's really not taken to the Bundesliga particularly well. But um, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure young players with high with relatively high potential would be able to thrive under Marcus Weinzel. That's just my <laughs> personal opinion, but it but it's shown he's looked completely out of his depth and not ready to be at this level. Um, so I think both teams would really struggle to make an impression. Probably Hertha less so um, because Augsburg, yeah, I think if they were to get relegated, they would have a proper gut job. Guys like Rafael Gikovic, um, Nicholas Dorsch will be someone that every team, every mid-table mm-hmm. team would have their eyes on. Um you know, Anna Meyer from from he would go back to Herta and and be actually would actually be allowed to play. So um, for them, so they've got so I, I like Herta's chances more. But um, you know, it, it is going to be really interesting coming down the stretch. Obviously, Herta beat Augsburg, which makes that very very interesting. And obviously, Herta getting out of that bottom three. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think Herta probably financially and and um, they've just got a bit more squad quality over. Uh, Augsburg, so I'd probably probably say Hertha would have a better chance, but yeah, we'll see. Good stuff. Um, so that pretty much rounds us up. But uh, one last question before we do predictions for our bottom three, uh, Matthew, is there one team out of say the four, if we're excluding Greuther Fertz, that if they were in the relegation playoff place, you would really fancy the team in thirds to maybe give them the best game or or even win it? I'd, I'd probably say Bielefeld. Yeah. That would yep. be the t- if you were a second division team, seeing how hard they've had it, had it trying to score goals, um, and the defense is really. I mean, you would be running against the, probably the best keeper out of the four. Um, yeah, I, I'd still, I'd still want Bielefeld. I, I mean, and that's just you know, based on form. Um, it, yeah, they're, they're the team that I would. I know Darmstadt in particular would love to play Bielefeld and redo what they did to them many, many years ago. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd probably say Bielefeld's the team that everyone in the Swider Bundesliga would be keeping an eye on. I was like, if they're 16th, we really, really like our chances of getting promoted. Good stuff. Right, well, let's do our bottom threes then. I'll, I'll start us off. Um, so, well, obviously, I'll take Royceford in a team. Um yeah, unfortunately, I think Bielefeld just don't have the firepower to push themselves out, particularly with Leipzig on the last day of the season, I think they have. So that's particularly tricky. Um, and then playoff plays, probably my boys, because of Herter's run-in is significantly easier. 
Um, so yeah, we'll go with Stuttgart in 16th. So Mark, you first, and then we'll have Matthews. Yeah, I think obviously Greuterfurt are gone. Probably next week will be their kind of um, final goodbye, basically. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I mean, Bielefeld, I've been saying all season until the last five or six games that they would stay up. I always thought they had a little bit more quality than the likes of, you know, Hertha and Augsburg, maybe. But it's just not turned out that way, has it, unfortunately, for them and Frank Kramer. So, yeah, I don't see them improving now, to be honest. Because, uh, you know, they got Curl next and then I think they got Leipzig as well. It's just not going to work out for them as, it, as things stand. So, yeah, I think they're going to get the second bottom. And then, yeah, I mean, the playoff spot is really tough. I think it is between Hertha and Stuttgart for me. And I think that game next week, that is the definition of a six-pointer, that is. That's for sure. You know, obviously in the Olympia Stadium. But I don't know. I just think Stuttgart, they, they had that good run of form, but it's kind of fallen off a little bit recently. They've stopped scoring goals. I think no goals in the last two or three games. So, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you, Rory. I'm going to go for them in 16th, unfortunately. Okie doke. Right, Matthew, over to you. What are you saying? Well, my heart wants... Obviously, Fert will go down, but they. I would love... The heart wants them to be accompanied by... Augsburg and Hertha, but that's not going to happen. I don't think <laughs> Augsburg are too far ahead for me. They're what they're six points clear of automatic relegation. Yeah. Um, they're three points, they're four points above the, the playoff, but anything can really happen. I think I, <clears throat> I think it is as you are. I mean, Hertha do have some pretty big games coming up. Obviously, they've mm -hmm. got they've got Hertha, uh, have Stuttgart, and then Hertha are also playing Bielefeld the following week. Um, at the, uh, the at the Alm, and then they've got Mainz, and then they end the season at Dortmund, which is um, you know we see we see we see we saw what Dortmund can do to bad teams with bad coaches, um, but uh, you know Felix Maggot, who's obviously an interesting character in his in his own right, and we're all pretty surprised that he's still managing. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'd probably say the bottom three as it is is how it's going to end up, but. Um, yeah, the heart wants something else, but the head is saying, as it is, is probably how it'll finish. Yeah, reckon so. Good stuff. So that brings uh, brings us to a close for our special Spider Bundesliga collaboration video. So obviously massive, massive uh, thank you to you, Matthew, for uh, giving up your time uh, this morning to record with us. Um, so really appreciate it. Really enjoyable chat as per usual. Maybe we'll have to kind of push it to a six monthly collaboration video <sighs> instead of the yearly one because I know everyone who watches our show um, is a real big fan of these <clears throat> videos that we do. So, Matthew, thank you very much for that. Um, really interesting to talk Spider with you. So, Mark, over to you to close up um, this evening's show. Yeah, absolutely. So if you enjoyed what you saw today, then remember to check out the Twitter feed at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Yeah, obviously check out our main piece, which is otbfootball.net. Yeah, and obviously remember again to like, comment and subscribe below. We've got a lot of interesting stuff to come for you guys ahead of the end of the season. So yeah, just look out for that. Thanks again for Matt to Matt for joining us. And yeah, we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you.